tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of This Is Your Afterlife. Uh, this show is dedicated to having conversations with artists and entertainers, musicians, activists, basically anyone who makes it their life's work to imagine life differently. I'm asking them to imagine life after death. And my guest for this first episode is Shantira Jackson, who is an amazing actor and writer. She wrote for Busy Tonight. She appeared on the Second City main stage. And I am Dave Marr. I am a comedian. So let me back up. Let me explain how this show came to be. So I have been doing comedy in Chicago for over a decade, started as an improviser, moved into stand-up, and then in 2014, after I went into a coma for a month, all of a sudden, I morphed into this one-man show sort of space. Uh, I've done two shows tangentially, well, one very much about the coma, the second one sort of tangentially. First one was Dave Marcoma Show, it's just, you know, the story of me falling into this coma. Long story short, I've been a type 1 diabetic since I was a kid. I spent my 20s drinking and using drugs in an addicted way without realizing that's what I was doing. All of it combined, and, you know, then I'm in a hospital about to be taken off life support, and my friends think I've died, and they're writing eulogies on Facebook, and I get two one-man shows out of it. So, you know, as far as deals go, could be a worse deal. So the second show is called Feed Wolf Ice Cream. And the premise of the show is that the show itself, the minute it starts, we're in the afterlife. We've been transported to the afterlife. And I love both these shows. I still perform them, hopefully will, whenever this pandemic is over, if it gets over. Is it getting over? Who knows? And the Feed Wolf Ice Cream show is much higher tech than the first show. There are some light cues, there are sound cues, and I have butt my head up against the wall trying to figure out how to adapt this, you know, theatrical show to a virtual space when I'm not a fucking Twitch streamer. I don't have a bunch of expertise. Yes, I realize we have all the time in the world. I could be spending my time getting that expertise, but you know what? I decided not to do that and instead to create this podcast because in that show, there are some times when I open it up to the audience, times when I am asking questions of the audience, when we are figuring things out together, I'm introducing them to the rules of this afterlife that we're in. So I decided that the best extension of Feed Wolf Ice Cream would be to take those interactive moments and create a podcast. And that is what this is your afterlife is. Now, Shantira is my guest on this episode, and I wanted her as the first guest because this show not only has its roots in Feed Wolf Ice Cream, but Feed Wolf Ice Cream has its roots in a show, a one-off show that I put together, and Shantira and I talk about this show is called Actual Afterlives. And I asked um, a few comedians and gave them this prompt, you know, the afterlife is real. Imagine it and put it, you have 10 minutes, put it on stage. And so Shantira did this piece called Black Heaven, which we will talk about in the episode. And all of that 
was the origin of what eventually is now this show. So that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get to it. I'm excited for you to hear it. In this episode, Shantira and I talk about her vision of the afterlife. We talk about her very specific, one of her most beloved memories. And then we talk about this moment that kind of, you know, I want to know what other people's comas were. What was your coma? My coma serves as a very, not super clean, actually, but a, a very visible break from an old life to a new life. And I think other people have those moments too, even if they're not as dramatic as a coma. And so I talked to Shantira about that. So before we get started, I also want to thank Rudy Schultz, who created the amazing artwork for this podcast. I want to thank Sam McNerland, who was my tech director and designer for Feed Wolf Ice Cream and is now helping me out with this show and uh, some creative consulting from my buddy, Mark Logston. So enjoy this conversation with Shantira Jackson. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown. How do you want me to in- how do you introduce yourself to people? Um, like uh, you know, in terms of like who you who I, am I? What who am I? I am Shantira Jackson. Uh I like to say I'm a Chicago transplant living in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. I'm a writer, comedian. Did you grow up in Chicago? I grew up in Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, shit. Okay. But I always say I was like born and raised in Tallahassee. And then like Chicago's where I became a grown up. Like that's the first time I ever like paid bills. And yeah. I, I I always say that like I'm from Chicago. It's hard to be like, I'm from Tallahassee. I didn't mm-hmm. do shit in Tallahassee, but like stay with my parents. So like, uh, just like Chicago comedian based in LA. Um, I'm a writer and a member of 3P. And then all that other stuff I do, but like the only thing that I do permanently is three Pete. <laughs> the industry's not real. <laughs> When's it, dude, that's great. When's the last time three Pete? What's the last three Pete thing that someone did? Oh, what did we do together? Like in the same? Oh, we went to Detroit in like January or February, I think. Oh shit! Of this year, we still like when there's festivals and stuff, we still would go. Detroit seems cool, man. It's really fun. It's like good food. Wherever people invite us, we'll like all go to like a city and like pick like a restaurant that's really good. Like when I used to tour, I used to do the same thing. I used to like try to find the best barbecue in the city. Like even if you're like in the worst city in the world. There's, they like, have some like special, they're like fucking yeah, Edmond, yeah. Oklahoma barbecue style. Yeah, yeah, it's like some dude who's lived there for generations <laughs> has the time to put a pig in a machine for 28 hours and then you get there and they're like there's nothing to do but eat this and you're like okay and that's what i do whenever i go that's it yeah sounds great that's what i do like when i was touring we went to elon north carolina and i went to this place called biscuitville five times in two days i just would go every time i could you're like a regular I was just like, because they closed at two. That, any place that closes at before three, I think it's the best place. Because that means they're so good, they don't give a fuck about you. They're like, if you don't get this food before three o'clock, then I'm sorry. So like, they closed at like two, and I would just fucking get up in the morning, go to Biscuitville, <laughs> and then we like leave, and I'd be like, I should go to Biscuitville. I'm, ne- I'm never, I'm never coming back to Elon. Yeah, so I'm I, from Biscuitville. My yeah, hometown. Yeah, I'm from Biscuitville. Yes, it was so good. And then uh, I only toured for six months, and I gained thirty five pounds. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, man. So, it caught up with me. Dude, that makes me feel better about my COVID weight gain, for sure. I'm like I, I on that this, same uh, same trajectory, I, I think. tweet that was so real. Like, it was like, you're in the middle of a pandemic and your body is just trying to stay alive. Do not be mad at your body for like, if you got to say, if you got to gain five pounds, if you got to gain 20 pounds. To make it through whatever the fuck this is, like let your body do its thing. So, like, I mean, that's legit, but it's also like, yes, don't have an attitude that's mad at your body. But if you yeah. eat like you're mad at your body, that's like another way of mistreating your body. You know, but what like, I mean? are you mad at your body? Because <laughs> my body needs these chips and dip. If I was <laughs> mad at my body, I would uh, refuse be starving. to give yeah. her these chips and dip. Yeah. Uh, also, I have not eaten anything today except for chips and dip and water. And I will make something eventually. But this morning, morning, noon, uh, I got up and I was like, I really want some chips. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love it. I'm going to. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> well, OK, so we're going to th- so th- we're going to get into this and it's going to okay, feel cool. like a very abrupt uh, transition. We're going to go real deep, real quick. I'm on board. I got but the I, time. I figured the best way to start. And the reason that I wanted you to be literally the first guest, I didn't mm-hmm. send a bunch of emails asking <laughs> people to be the first guest was because of that actual afterlife show. Yeah. Right. So we did that show in 20. Oh, I thought it was 2015. It's 2016. Was it? And it might yeah. have been. Yeah. I don't even. Uh, I know for sure. It was 2016. Yeah, okay. Okay. And so the concept of the show was I chose, there were like six, it was an hour long show. There were six, mm-hmm. 10 minute slots. I took two of them. So there would have only <laughs> been four other acts uh, where people were doing a 10 minute piece that was like, what do you, if the afterlife is real, like put it on stage, you know, yeah. and you did this thing. Um, and I, I still remember it. And, but then I was trying to think about the details of it. I know it's called Black Heaven. Yeah. But I just want to, I want you to describe it a little bit. Oh, absolutely. Like I ended up putting that in the main stage. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. I think I saw that show. What was the name of that main stage show? Uh, it was, uh, what was the name of my main stage show? Isn't it wild what your dreams are? And then after you leave, you're like, hmm? I literally yeah. can't remember right now. Uh, okay. <laughs> I can't remember the name of my main stage show. It's wait, all wait. good. Wait, I can do it. Was it? I mean, I can think of random main stage show names. Ah, I found it. (laughs) (laughs) The winner of our discontent. Mm, Okay, right. (laughs) Winner, like, with two ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Legit, that is so funny. I'm going to tweet three tweet about it later. I literally could not remember the name of my main stage show. And that is the reason I moved to Chicago was for that job. And you just went to your wall and looked at the poster on your wall to find, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like so okay, so you put that in the winner of Arc Discontent. Yeah. Um, but tell me about, just tell me about what the piece was, because I the what thing I remember about it, and I could be totally wrong, was that, and the thing I really liked about it was that it was actually kind of about. Th- the earth like time it wasn't it was about the afterlife but it was like this could very much be oh yeah our lives yeah so like as i've gotten also older i realized that like the bar i set was so low (laughs) like uh i was like my heaven would be like good food like everybody was nice to each other uh like prince would be jesus 
and um it'd be great and then like later i was like honestly this would just be like a really cool earth and then (laughs) i think some people were like in my heaven i could fly and in my heaven like all i wear is gold and i was like in my heaven i would be treated like a really good human (laughs) but that's so legit i think that's what was so nice i mean you know because putting the afterlife on stage for 10 minutes i was like how imaginative can this get right? It could go super high concept. There could be a lot of props. There could be set, whatever, but you just stood there and described this thing, but what it was really, I mean, especially it only gets more resonant, right? As like awful shit keeps happening, but it's weirdly revolutionary for like a black woman to stand on stage and say, I would like to be treated like a human being. Oh yeah. I, I think what I got a lot of guff for that piece. People uh I had um What do you mean? What kind of I guff? Got, uh people will walk out of the sh- of the show and say I was like racist. Uh because I, I said the uh the, the part of the, the, the piece that I like distinctly remember that really fucked up people was I was like, um, earth is heaven for white people. I was like, this is yeah. You already live in heaven. I have to die. I have to hope I die to get treated the way you get treated every day. And uh, I'll never forget. It used to be my home screen for like a year and a half. It really inspired me. Is that the house manager at Second City emailed me because people would walk out and they want their money back or whatever. So they have to talk to the manager and the manager would keep a list of why people walked out. And because she would have to explain why they wanted a refund. Yeah. And this white lady, <clears throat> after I finished Black Heaven, also Black Heaven was a piece where I literally was like, I'm calling it Black Heaven, but like anybody could go. You just have to like not be right. like a total asshole. <laughs> yeah. So she left bawling at intermission, bawling her eyes out. She's like, I want a refund. I don't, I'm leaving. And the manager's like, okay, what's wrong? What happened? And she was like, she wouldn't let me into black heaven. (laughs) Oh my God. And that's why she left. And I was like, okay, first of all, like I grew up religious. I grew up Southern Baptist. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, okay, so that means you're, there's two things happening here. You are religious and you believe in Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, right? You're, you're, you are religious. You've read the book. You're into it, right? That means that you've decided that this person's made up fake heaven is superseding everything you've ever learned in your entire life about your Jesus, about your God. <laughs> and you've decided that I am God now and I am forbidding you from being into heaven and you are upset about it. Or you've never thought about it ever and you really are reckoning with the fact that you wouldn't get to go and you're blaming me. And I think both of those things are so interesting, but like people would leave all the time in the middle of that saying that I was like being like a racist or, or, or saying that the world was like way worse than it was. And honestly, I didn't even say anything like that. I was just like, it'd be nice if earth was as nice as like my like heaven, which is like pretty chill and very doable. People would leave constantly. It was crazy. But she left crying because I wouldn't let her into the fake heaven that I made up that is currently just like earth. That is <laughs> wild, man. Well, I mean, it's like the the power of being a performer in some way. It's like you yeah. made her 
fucking believed that this yeah. was real. She's I couldn't, she wouldn't let me into black heaven. Oh and I was like, Yeah, it sounds like a preschooler crying, like you yeah. would share the toy that is black heaven. Yeah, but it was so wild. She was like, I, I usually don't share, like, because I don't give a fuck why people leave. But she was like, this is the wildest reason anyone's left in a long time. That and is amazing. And that's why she left. She needed a refund because I wouldn't, I wouldn't let her into my fake made up heaven that I wrote a sketch about. What's up? It's Dave. If you like This Is Your Afterlife, you should go to thisisdavemar.com and sign up for my free newsletter, Hella Immaculate. Every week in the newsletter, I share, one, a micro-essay about an aspect of creativity or culture, like the creative lessons of Drag Race Thailand or the visionary anti-racism of Hoobastank. Two, a hyper-specific playlist, for example, 90s Beach Xanax or Polo de Don set for 2008 Pitchfork Music Festival after party where I saw Julia Stiles. And finally, a few actions we can take to pour water on our world on fire. Hella Immaculate is a way for me to connect with audiences beyond live venues and across the globe. It's the best way to learn about classes I'm teaching, podcast updates, eventual live shows, and whenever I'm typecast as a homeless addict again on a TV show set in Chicago. Again, go to thisisdavemar.com to subscribe to my newsletter, Hella Immaculate. As you may know, I'm a DIY operation, so please tell your friends. A hard vouch means everything. Back to the show. Here's my first official question, right? Okay. Is what do you hope happens when you die? What do I hope happens? I hope I get rid of my body. She's exhausted. My knees ain't so great. And I think that like what I hope happens is that it's just like infinite chilling. If that makes sense. Like, I I think that the way that we describe like the universe being infinite and then like my soul, whatever is in this body, like legit trapped in this body is set free. And it's just able to like experience the universe in a way that is not like rooted in capitalism. (laughs) If that makes sense. Like, I would love to just like go check out Pluto, see what's up, <laughs> go to the very depths of the ocean. I think I would like my soul to be free to explore and not just this galaxy, but like anything that I ever thought imaginable. Okay. Interesting. So you don't see it as whatever, ha- the, you know, you don't see the afterlife as a different plane of existence. You're talking about being unleashed in this actual physical realm. Uh, I feel like I'm trapped here and I want whatever spirit soul that is within me to be released and to go do whatever here, though. to oh, be no, released here. Me. Oh yeah. I think that when I die, I'm like in this body on earth. So like mm-hmm. when my body, like when my eyes close, I think whatever is in here is going to be like, bye suckers, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of here nerds. Mm-hmm. And it's going to shoot into like the infinite or whatever. Maybe I'll time travel. Maybe there is no time. I don't fucking know. But I just want whatever is in this to be released to go and do whatever it wants. And if that's like to go sit on the supernova for the next millennia, I'm down. <laughs> and is it like, do you imagine it as, is there any corporeality to it? Like does does that soul, does that consciousness have any texture? Like if someone were to, see, could anyone see it? If they could see it, would if they touched it, what would it feel like? Are you like, I imagine myself as like a puddle of water floating through the universe or like, you know what I, I mean? I think, I kind of think of it as like, you know, like old Superman, uh, yeah. like when like we see what's in front of him, but we just know that he's like flying straight. 
You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's that that being is just going forward. And like, I don't know what it would look like or if I could even see it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think I would want it to be in anything. So like that includes like a puddle of water is still something that's like, yeah can be touched or can be maneuvered. I think that it feels like, but also like a cloud is a thing, just like a being that I can't explain, but I think it's better that I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you ex- wouldn't be able to look at yourself. You wouldn't be yeah. able to like see a hand. Yeah. There, there would have to be like no mirrors. It sounds no like. mirrors. Yeah. I also think that like, I, I don't want to be able to explain it because I want it to be better than anything that I can imagine because like, I can't, I don't think I could think of anything as good as what I actually want. Yeah. Well, which means that what you actually want, you can't even fully think of. I know. Cause it's too good. Right. right. <laughs> it's too good. But it's I a feeling of sorts. Maybe. I know that like, I know this ain't it. This ain't the best. That's for damn sure. So whatever is out there that's bigger and better than this, it's like, I don't think I can imagine how much better I want it to be because I haven't seen it here. It's really hard to like, you know, like kids are like, if you don't see it, you can't be it. I don't think that the goodness of the universe has shown itself to us. So I know that I would like to participate in whatever that is, but I, I don't, I've never seen it. So I just hope that when I die, that I get to get a sip of the good stuff. (laughs) You feel like you've never seen it? Have there been any? So this leads into my second Mm -hmm. question, right? Uh, Which is like, if you could, because, okay, so to, to trace the origin of these questions um, after that, after that actual afterlife show, Mm -hmm. Um, a couple years later, I did my second solo show. It's called Feed Wolf Ice Cream. And I have these big interactive with the audience uh, set pieces, kind of improvised moments where I ask these questions. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the first one I just asked you. And then the other big one is this, is like, I, I kind of uh, present this hypothesis that the afterlife in it, mm-hmm. you get to completely relive one memory. So you're not just like playing it in your mind. You're like dropping back into it, right? Mm -hmm. You're not, that's not the whole afterlife. You can, you're not stuck there, but whenever you want, you get to relive this one memory. And so it's like, if you could, Mm -hmm. what memory would you choose? And so you saying like, it's never, the full goodness has never revealed itself to you. Maybe that's true, but it has it in the, like, is there a If I could relive one day in my life, it, th- it could be a day. It could be a specific moment. moment. It could be. I'm going to tell you what it is, and yeah. I think that people will be wildly unimpressed. No, I would no, go no, back no. to when I was, um, I was 18, I think it was, and my aunt drove me to Tampa to go see So You Think Can D- Dance live, uh, season two, and she got me a hotel and she drove me to. Uh, a theater in Tampa and I had pretty decent seats. My I didn't have a credit card yet. So my friend with a credit card, I gave her the money and she bought me a single ticket to So You Think You Can Dance season two live in Tampa, Florida. And I would go back and go watch that whole show again. And then I would leave. Okay. Okay. Great. 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 So let's, <laughs> let's back this up a little bit. <laughs> so it sounds like doing. you're living in Tallahassee at the time. I'm living in Tallahassee. Yeah. Did you, and your aunt bought you the tickets? 
So I bought the tickets myself. I bought the okay. ticket, but she like, I was like, oh my God, I want to see this show. And she was like, I'll go down to Tampa with you. Cause my like, aunt likes to gamble. So she was like, I'll go to a casino. And I like, think I have like some casino bucks or whatever that I can like stay at this hotel. So I'll take you to Tampa. I'll gamble for like two days. And then like, I'll drop you off at this. So you think you can dance thing. And like, now that I think of it, it's completely bizarre. It's like no reason for her to be willing to do it. It makes no sense. But she was like, I will take you to do that. She dropped me off at the theater. I went to watch my show. I waited outside. I got my shirt signed by my favorite dancer. I still fucking have it here in LA. And then okay, I so wait, hold her. up. So her. <laughs> so how, how big is this theater? I don't even remember. Like, was I, it I like an that, arena show? Was it like an intimate sort of like couple? No, it was theater? a it was a big theater because So You Thinking Dance was this was the first time they ever had a tour. It got mm. huge. This was like the second season. They're like on season 20 now or something. And I just remember being like, I love this show so much. I would like to go see it. So was <laughs> it it wasn't the finale, it was like the tour after the show. It was the tour after. So they gotcha. get the compilation of all the best dances. Okay, and so was who this, was your favorite dancer? My favorite dancer was this girl named Natalie Patopoulos. She was from Florida, I think. She was like a dancer from Florida. Either way, she was so cool. And what, she, what style did she dance in? She did like um uh what's it called? Uh, like modern? Yes, modern. I was like okay. interpretive. That's not it. Modern. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. uh, but she got kicked out. But my favorite dance uh ever was this bench routine by Mia Michaels and it was Travis Wall and Heidi. Uh, I can't remember her last name, but uh, they were like it was this to um Celine Dion I think it's called The Call and it was like the most amazing I cried when I watched it on television and they did it live and I cried and I was like this is the greatest moment of my life I've been alive for like 18 years and this is the best thing that I've ever seen live in my whole life and I was like I love it it's my favorite thing I don't give a fuck about my degree I don't give a fuck about like making TV that is the coolest thing I ever got to do <laughs> what was so cool about it it's because like I Nobody comes to Tallahassee. I, like when Usher came on his Confessions tour, that's the first concert mm. that I ever saw. But wow. like it had to be Usher's Confessions to get to Tallahassee. Like that's how big it had to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. He was stopping in like Podunk, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So like nobody ever, ever, ever came to Tallahassee. And like I like, I still live with my parents. Like there wasn't a lot. I didn't really get in trouble, but this was like a thing that I really liked. And like, I mentioned it and my aunt was like, I'll take you. And it was like, cool. Thank you. My 1989 fucking, the car my dad got me was not going to drive me to <laughs> Tampa. Also like, I didn't How really. How far is Tampa from Tallahassee? Like three hours. Okay. But like, I also like was like 18 i had never like left home like i wasn't gonna go drive to tampa by myself they weren't gonna give me a fucking hotel uh <laughs> stay in a hotel by myself go to this thing like i was too scared i would have never done it but she was like i'll go and i was like a grown up so <laughs> so your aunt is in the is staying in the hotel with you uh-huh yeah the friend the friend bought you the tickets yeah because i didn't have a credit card yet did you pay the friend back? I, I gave her the money. Gotcha, I was like, gotcha. okay. I gave her the money because I like gave her the money because I had a bank account, but I didn't have a credit card yet. So I like gave her the money from my bank account. And then she, I call her my grown up friend. She was like getting her master's degree. So she was like a couple years older than me. So I was 18 and she was like 22. So okay. she had a credit card <laughs> and she was like, I know you love it. I, and like, also she was working 
in an office when I had class. So she like went online and bought the tickets for me because she was at work and not in class and she could get the tickets for me. So like when the um when they went on sale, she was at work and she bought them for me. And when I came out of class, I had my ticket. That's so and so when you're at the show. Do you remember like the feel like, so it sounds like there's like some independence here, right? This is yeah, like your first like, big, like, yeah, adult thing. Yeah. When you're at the show, what are the like experiences? Are, are Do you remember thoughts? Are you like, th- I remember moments in my life where I'm like, this is what my life's going to be. Like, you know, I didn't think that was what my life was going to be because okay. I didn't know I was going to move to Chicago and get to go see concerts and stuff. But I just remember being like, this is so cool. I'm so happy that like I get to see this thing that I like with other people who like it. Like I was at home by myself watching it and like my family just being like, whatever. It was just like, you were the only one other people. Yeah. Nobody cared about it. My aunt went gambling. She didn't, she could have gotten the ticket and gone (laughs) with me. She dropped me off and went to the casino. So she didn't care. Right. So I was like in a room with a bunch of people who liked the same thing I liked, whose parents drove them there to see this thing that we cared about. And it was really cool just to be able to be like in a theater with hundreds of people who like really like the bench dance. Um, and then like I what saw- is a bin- What is the, is the bench like a style of dance? Or is okay. Like- so it is, if you're, if, if any so you think you can dance fans out there, I will send you the bench dance. It's iconic. It is- Like the, B-I-N-C-H, right? B- no, B-E-N-C, like bench, like a oh, bench. Oh, bench. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They're like on a bench. And then I think that she won an Emmy for choreography for that. Uh, um, oh, for shit. that dance, and like, uh, it was so good. I'll, I'm gonna send you the link later. Okay, and like, yeah. it's it's Travis and Heidi, the bench dance, the call by Celine Dion, choreographed by me and Michael's baby. And I still remember it. I don't remember a wow. lot of shit like that, but it was so good. I remember, like, I didn't have internet at my house, but my aunt had internet. Another aunt. My dad's one of <laughs> eight, and my mom's one of. Uh, four. So like my whole family lived in Tallahassee. So I was at my aunt's house and she had internet and um, I could watch YouTube at her house. So like I was at her house one day and I spent like an hour on YouTube, just like watching the bench. Uh- <laughs> so when, so, okay. Was there a moment in the show where like they, was the bench already set on the stage or was it like, Oh, oh yeah, shit, it, they're bringing the bench out. And everyone's like, no, yeah. it, went, it went black. Okay. And Bench was on the stage, and then the fucking music from Celine Dion started playing, and everybody lost their shit. They lost their shit. It was crazy. It was just a bunch of 12 to 22-year-olds screaming for Celine Dion's The Call. That is so <laughs> – that's great. I think that's a great – that's a great um, memory. It's like – it's the best. It's like the best. It was so fun. Okay, so here's my my last like official question is here. Okay. And I've been trying to figure out a way to ask. I know what I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's I haven't found the perfect words for it yet. So okay. Here's the here's what I've got so far. So assume that you are dead already uh-huh. and that right now this is the afterlife. Okay. What is a moment of transformation from your past that feels like a death. So you're not going to have, or you maybe will, but you might not have one as clear as mine, which is like, 
I went in this coma, right? Yeah. And there was a month and now I'm back. And so it's like that very clearly could have been, and it doesn't have to be a near death experience. It could just be like, before this, I was this person. After oh, I this, absolutely I'm know this what person. it is. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's what is when it? I, I went and worked on a cruise ship for three and a half months. I came back a completely different person. Who were you going in? I was uh, joyful, <laughs> expected of goodness. Okay. And, um, I, okay, the best way I can describe it is when I went on the cruise ship, I drank um, ginger beer mixed with pineapple juice with my go-to drink at any bar. No alcohol? No alcohol. My okay. parents don't really drink. My my father is so funny. He he said the only good beer is a cold one and a free one. If it's not one of those things, I don't want it. So my dad doesn't drink beer, and my mother's version of drinking is every once in a while she will have a mudslide for one of her girlfriend's birthdays at Chili's. So okay, like I cute. never grew up really. No one and my also my grandfather was an alcoholic. So like we didn't really. I never really drank. I never got a taste for it. I also lived at home, so there was no drinking a bunch and driving home. You know what I mean? So Did when Southern I to, Baptist stuff have anything to do with it? No. Okay. No, it wasn't even that. It was just like I grew up in the church, but like there Southern was, Baptist drink. I mean, Southern Baptists do a bunch of shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think that they all drink a beer. You know okay. what I mean? Okay. I wasn't like hardcore. Like, not. I also like we went to church, but we weren't like. There's people who like go to church. Like yeah, I didn't go yeah, to yeah. like. Like I went to church on Sunday. I didn't go to church Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, yeah. and do yeah. youth group shit. Like. I went to church on Sunday. So like, uh, but I also had to drive home and like open the door and my family be there. So like, I couldn't like be blasted. Right, right. So when I moved to Chicago, I never really drank. Um, I also like was getting used to the city when I first got there and I was like scared. I had never lived anywhere but at home. And then I moved to a city and had to take the train at midnight by myself. So I was stone cold sober. For all the time. <laughs> so then I got on the cruise ship and I, I did um, 198 shows in three months. We did 11 shows a week. Uh, I When I left, I was drinking straight Jack. <laughs> really? Straight up. So By that was your I, transition from ginger beer and pineapple juice to Just Jack straight Daniels. fucking straight Jack. Just give it to me. So I okay. can get off the ship, man. Yeah, I I think that that is a way that people would be like, oh. But when I came home, uh, my I was like, I've always been like pretty like nice, I guess. But like, I guess I became like a real a real ass bitch. So like, I like really developed these rules for myself that I still to this day live by. And it's like, I don't eat anything that I don't like. I don't wear anything that I don't like, and I say no whenever I want. Those are the only three things that I consistently do for everything. So and that like, came I got, after the cruise ship. Oh yeah, because it's just a you're just trapped, and you're either going to become more of who you should be or more of who you shouldn't. And I decided to become more of who I should be. So like I got back and I was just like, oh well, like I don't want to do that. And people be like, but like I think that it wasn't that I lacked niceties, but I just was much more. Uh, much more willing to do what I wanted to do to make myself like happy. So like, if you ask me, like I did your show because I thought it'd be cool and I want to do it. Yeah. I turned down shit all the time. People be like, you want to do my improv show? And I'd be like, no, they'd be like, Oh, what do you have doing? Have going on? I'd be like, nothing. I'm just going to go home. <laughs> like, 
And people are like, that's not an asshole thing. It's just yeah. like, I don't want to do that. Right. I work three jobs. I'm tired. I'm not going to the playground at midnight. I'm so sorry. So like when I, before I went on that cruise ship, I would have did that. When I got back, I was like, life's too short. I lived in a fucking box for three and a half months. I'm free and I'm only doing shit that like brings me joy. So I'm only going to eat a cheeseburger that fucking has the works on it. I'm only going to wear shit that I like. Like no more buying a shirt because it's $8. Like if I don't like it, I'm not fucking buying oh, it. Oh, whoa. Like, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, like, I was curious how the, how the clothes stuff. So it was I like you mostly buy cheap shit. I would just not even, even if it's cheapest, if I liked it, there's just yeah. shit in your closet that you'll be like, oh, I'll wear that or, oh, I like that. I got rid of all that shit. Uh, <laughs> you like did some Marie Kondo shit like before oh, that yeah. was even like. True. Yeah, I re- I'm, I'm Marie Kondo. The fuck. I was working at Banana Republic for years uh, and I had like all these dress clothes and I like came home from the ship and I was like, I'm never going to work in an office. I'm never going to wear any of this stuff again. And I gave away everything. I put a Facebook blast out and I was like, if anybody is working in an office, I have like 20 pairs of Banana Republic fucking slacks. Come get them. I will never, ever go do this job again. And I gave away all that shit. Wow. So do you still think like in your, it sounds like you said you still live by these rules. Oh, absolutely. How often are you thinking I live by the, I, how often are you thinking specifically like I do these three things in your daily life and I do these three things because I came up with them after I the value, I just like valued myself so much more. I, I think that like I don't have to consciously think about it as much because yeah, I'm actively yeah. doing it. When I got home, I had to think about it. I had to think about being like, oh, if I tell this person no, what's going to happen? Like, are they going to dislike me? Is it going to make me look like a bitch? Or like, if I'm like, I don't really eat that. I don't want that. <laughs> like, am I an asshole? I don't make a lot of money, but is it okay for me to like go to the grocery store and drop $20 on the fucking New York strip? Every once in a while, yeah, dude, it is. Like, <laughs> I'll eat cereal two days a week if I can have a steak once. You know what I mean? Like, wow. I just decided to like have fun with no matter how little means or little time I had. I mean, like when I was in Chicago, I was working like two or three jobs all the time. So like if I agreed to do something, I wanted to do it. Like I had to want to do it. But like before I went on that cruise ship, I was working three jobs and I was doing a bunch of shit I did not want to do just because people asked me. And I was like, well, they asked. And it's like, yes, having the courage to ask somebody to do something is brave. But also you have to have the courage to be like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not like obligated to someone just because they had the courage to or ask to something. Ask. Right. Yeah. Well, I think that women especially um, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> are like, if someone's brave enough to ask you, that means they really want you to do it. And I was like, uh, now I'm like, I, if someone's brave enough to ask me, they have to be brave enough to get told no. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then the irony is that you become like so much more does then those people are just only thinking about how they can make you say yes eventually somehow they're like oh they're not just like oh well we write off shantira they're like we need shantira for our eventually for something like yeah it's just like i think also people don't realize i mean there's so much going on all the time at least there was when we were coming up it was like Sometimes I would do three shows a night at different theaters because it was just like in a big fucking triangle. You get on the train, you you, you do something at six or seven, and you go do something at nine, you go do a show at 11 or midnight. And like one person asking you to do one thing doesn't seem like a lot. But like if you're like trying to get your foot in the door, trying to get seen, like I would be sleeping like four hours and doing like eight hours worth of improv, which like could be 
helpful, but I was like, I could just do like one really good show and then go to sleep. I know. That's definitely <laughs> like a phase of comedy development. Do you, okay. So do you think that doing the 198 shows had something to do with it? Cause it's like the idea of I need reps is kind of like a moot point forever now. Cause I've done yeah. 200 shows in three months oh, and yeah. I never need those, that amount of reps again. I, I don't think, I, I think also like when I was coming up, so many people were like, and obviously take it with a grain of salt, believe whatever the fuck you want, right? But people were like, go do as many shows as you want. And I was like, but we're all bad. Yeah. We're bad right now. So we're doing everything bad. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to do eight bad shows. I think I'm solidifying the bad stuff because mm. I don't know what's good yet. So then I like got good in two years. I got good and then I got a job and then I got to do something good 198 times. And I think that was helpful. Also, my um, music director was a vocal coach. So like once a week I would go take voice lessons. Like I, you can use that time to be, to better yourself or you can use that time to like fuck a, fuck a bunch of youth counselors. Both of them are fine. Are there youth counselors on the ship? Yeah. They're like, what what do they do? Youth? What? They're like, youth counselors are like, uh, um, uh, they take care of your kids. So like when people go on cruise ships, there's like a bunch of like 25 year olds from Australia who like do kids programming and stuff. Okay. Cause I heard about people fucking like the dancers and like the bartenders. Yeah, I felt like the dancers me. were like the hot ones. That's how people describe me. The, like the dancers were the hottest. So like the dancers are fucking each other because they're right. too hot. It's just like a bunch of slubby fucking comedians. We all have the, the same sweatshirt and the same black rim glasses. <laughs> right, Those right. Italian dancers were not <laughs> fucking us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like beautiful and from Milan and they were like fucking the world champion from South Africa. They were not fucking us. Comedians were fucking each other, but they were not fucking the world champion. Well, it makes me think of, so like going to like the Edinburgh Fringe the last couple of years, there's like all these circus shows, right? And it's like some of the best parts of the festival are going to see the circus shows. And of course, the circus people are what I would imagine the dance people are on the ship. There was a circus on the ship too. Right. And you see them and dude, they are so cut. And all I could like... About half the time when I was walking by one of those people, I was just like, they're performing peak physical performance shows in this, in the largest arts festival in the world. They're, they have so much like cosmopolitan input into their minds. They must be having the best sex ever. This, this whole month. Their bodies are insane. It's it's just like when everybody goes to the Olympics and they have to put condoms out everywhere. Because after everyone's event, it's just like, you're an Olympic swimmer. I'm an Olympic swimmer. We should fuck each other. You know what? That's true. You should. You deserve that. You're not going to fuck one of the like announcers who went to like broadcast journalism school. (laughs) What what I did realize that it was, I I mean, I learned a lot on that ship for sure. But what one of the things I did realize is like, so when you first get on the ship, you have to like take a tour and then like learn about safety and stuff, <laughs> which like that's what we had to do. So like the um the the musical Rock of Ages was a musical for our oh, yeah. ship, and like 
they first of all they were also hot so all of us there's like a cast of seven from second city and we're all in our like second city sweatshirt and our glasses and we're all like okay let's learn safety the entire cast fucking rock of ages walked in and they all had on like leather it was like 100 degrees leather jackets they were the hottest people we had ever seen in our entire lives and we were like how we do improv, right? So they're so hot. They all sing and dance and doing back. They're the hottest people I've ever seen to this day. The hottest people that I've ever like, who've ever like, let me like bump into them. So we're like on this ship and we're like, they're so hot. They're so cool, right? And we thought that they didn't like us, right? We were like, oh, we're just like improv nerds. They hate our guts or something, right? So there's like this older um, gentleman on the cruise ship with the cast. He's in his forties. This is his eighth ship. And he goes, they're scared of you. And I was like, what? He goes, they're scared of you. Just wait and see. And I was like, no, they're really hot. They're fine. So like two weeks go by and eventually we're like hanging out with all these really hot people from Rock of Ages. And we sit down uh, to dinner with them. And they're like, uh, they're like, you guys are cool. And we're like, oh, thanks. They're like, at first we wanted to stay away from you because we were scared you were going to make fun of us in your shows all the time. And we were like, what? And they were like, yeah, we were really scared of you. <laughs> and then I was yeah. like, nothing's real. Nothing well, they're, fucking real. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like musical theater dorks too. You yeah. Know? So they're hot now, but inside they're not hot, you know? Exactly. And I've always been like fun and cute, but I've never been <laughs> rock of ages abs hot. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, right, uh, right, right. I've always gotten by with a little help with my personality. So <laughs> it was just so interesting that like they would come to our shows and it's like we would see these circus performers. We would see these rock of ages guys doing all this stuff and they'd be like, Oh, like, I wish that I could. He was like, I, I have to have lines. I wish that I could do that. And I was like, I wish I had the voice of an angel. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a bunch of artists truly just kind of being together. And like the circus people are like, oh, I can do this with my body, but I can't do this with my voice. And then the fucking Rock of Ages people are like, oh, I can do this with my voice, but I could never just sing a song off the top of my head. And we're all like, we can do both of those things. I want to touch my toes. So it's like, <laughs> it's like so many people are so worried about what other people are thinking of them. When in actuality, we're all just like sixth graders. <laughs> well, and I feel like this is a nice way to wrap up because now we're talking about the limitations of having a body again. Yeah. And it, you know, in your heaven, you're free of those things. I can't wait to dish this bad boy. These knees, they had it. They out. <laughs> Well, my lower back my lower back no sir (laughs) (laughs) dude you're and you just turned 33 that's too early for that shit man my jesus year well it's because everybody played i played basketball when i was like 15 and when you're like 15 you're like Mm. my knee hurts but i can't go to the doctor i'll miss this high school basketball season and then you're like 25 you're like i definitely should have missed that (laughs) yeah 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 But cool, you man. know what are we gonna do? <laughs> this that's it, man. I don't I don't have anything else. Is there anything that that like any of this is like bringing up that you are like, man, I really wanted to like say this, but you didn't get to. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think that um, anyone listening is just like uh, to like love yourself where you are, and then we'll see where we go. <laughs> that's great. I love it. That's all I got. <laughs> That is the show. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. 
Since this is the debut episode, I know that on this premiere date, there are also three other episodes for you to listen to. They're great. Check those out. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And I know you've heard this before. Rate, review, subscribe. I get it. I've been on the receiving end of that command. But for shows like mine, I'm an independent a DIY artist. I could use all the help I can get. It allows me to make this my life. So do those things. You can find Shantira on Twitter, on Instagram at Tira 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 with underscores in between the Tiras. And you can find me anywhere at This Is Dave Marr. This is DaveMar.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. And that's it. I'll talk to you in the next episode. <laughs>